Welcome to the Bass and Brews podcast, your weekly distraction from other high-quality podcasts. And now, your host, Alex from Swamp Rat Fishing, and the co-hostess with the mostest, the Jabberhammer, Paul Roberts. Oh, Alex isn't here tonight, so I can do the intro flawless. It's just me, got a buddy from Queen City, because tonight is a Queen City, and I say tonight, whenever you're listening to this, this is the Queen City Chronicles, stop four, and we got the winner on from that, Bennett Nall. Now, I don't know if you, that's how you pronounce your name, but me being country, N-A-L-L is Nall. It needs to have a W in there somewhere. Did I pronounce that right, Bennett? Oh, you nailed it. Nall. There we go. See, he, if he was from up north, it'd be some kind of weird pronunciation for that name, and I'd be messing it up all night. Yeah. Man, it killed the intro. It's the first time I've even seen the intro for this podcast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, well, we the, the intro, I appreciate you saying I killed it because usually when Alex is on here, you know, I mess it up on purpose. Well, not on purpose, kind of on purpose, but usually not. But the song and all that, man, that was our good friend from um, from Paddler's Playbook, Drew, and Saltside Jess. They put that together for us, of course, and it's been awesome, man. But look, we're here to talk about that. We are here to talk about your winning of the Queen City number four at Hartwell. It sounded like sounded like you, you put a hurting on them the whole day. I mean, it looks great on paper, but only caught seven fish. <laughs> I wish I was going to catch a limit in practice. Well, you only need four, so you caught three extras. That's right. I did catch three extras. They were just little little muffin toppers. Yeah, <laughs> muffin toppers. <laughs> Well, look, the other four, the other four were not muffin toppers. They were more like full-fledged cakes. Oh man, they were they were chunky. They were the ones I needed. But uh, yes, I mean, I only got one day of practice too. One so, day, one day of practice was it the day before? Or did you just go out one afternoon before you, you know, before the tournament? No, I got the day before. I got Friday to Friday to practice. Yeah, and uh, you- go ahead. Well, I was going to say, did you know what you were going to do, or were you going out there practicing, trying to figure it out? Oh, I had a great plan for practice. I was mm. going to run run the same pattern I ran for that Bassmaster uh, National Tournament. I started there first day, and none of those fish were still there, dude. They had all moved off. You know, like fishing entirely different. So I went into scramble mode like crazy, trying to find something different. Uh, I hit – Two other ramps, trying to find something. The second one was a bust, nothing there. And then the, the third one, I found a little something going on, and I found, like, one big one on bed that gave me hope going into Saturday. And I was, I was talking back and forth to Chad a little bit, uh, Chad Walden, and he was telling me he had entered the elite side pot. And I was like, yeah, I'm not on anything. My fish have been less, so I'm probably not going to enter the elite side pot. Well, I go to my, I get to my third ramp and I find some brush piles, find some little spots, some, some looks like a few decent spots on points. And then I run shallow to see if I can find any fish on bed. Don't find anything for the, like for the first hour I'm looking. 
and then I'm cruising the bank and I see a big flash up against the bank. I was like, holy crap, get up to it. And there's their bed is about that big. And that's how big the bed was. And there was a five pound large mouth and like a one and a half pound male on it. Oh, wow. And now, he just showed the size of the bed, y'all, and it's about the size of a grapefruit or softball. Dude, it was – I've never seen a bed that small and a fish so big on it. Well, they are right there so close together just sitting. I mean, I, I got all the way up on them. I pitched everything at them, and they wouldn't move. I mean, they were the fish that you would think, like, oh, if you can catch those easy. Like, they're not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. I, I text Chad back. I was like, hey, so I'll take it back. I am going to enter the elite <laughs> side five. <laughs> Look, I don't enter in a tournament. If there's anything to enter when I enter a tournament, I'm putting my money in everything. Small fish, big fish, side pot, you know, side catch, by catch, whatever. I'm putting my damn money in everything that has a potential to win me something when I get in it. And a lot, a lot of people put in for that side pot, man. I've, I've won money a couple times off of that side pot. Yeah. Yeah, I do everything except small fish because that's not the mentality I need. <laughs> uh, but man, hand job adventures, he's he's made a damn career winning money off of them little fish, though. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you can't get the big trophies, so <laughs> all day. So, uh, how, how old are you? Because you look pretty daggum young, but it sounds like you got stuff dialed in pretty good. Yes, yeah, so I'm 19. Okay. Yeah. And and what is what is what is your fishing journey that's brought you here to be 19 years old and competing in Queen City like you've been competing because that's a that's a tough damn club to to be finishing where you've been finishing. What how, how have you got to the point where you are now? Uh, Queen City's full of hammers, and this is my first year actually going at Queen City, and it's been a dream year. I I never would have thought I'd be at this level with Queen City. But uh, I kind of, I mean, I always grew up fishing ponds, just little local ponds. We had permission to fish, but we like we would never fish the lake. We would go to the lake maybe twice a year to striper fish. Mm. That was it. And then I got my driver's license when I was 15 and convinced my dad to buy two little, like 12 foot to send the kayaks, so little cheap ones from Bass Pro. We paddle around. So we got those two, and then we'd go fish some little local lakes. Like there's a little lake in Spartanburg that's like. I don't know, 50 acres maybe, like Barry Shoals Pond, some of these little local stuff. And I kind of cut my teeth there messing around. And then when I was 17, I went with a group of kayak anglers uh, to Kiwi, actually. Mm. First time I've ever been to a lake. There was four of us. Um, had a good time. But when we got back to the ramp, there was someone there with the, with the Hobie PA-14. And keep in mind, I'm still in my Ascend kayak. And I was like, holy crap, I didn't know kayaks that nice existed. And so I get up there and I was like, that's a boat. That's not a kayak. <laughs> so we get over there and talk to him. I can't, I, I, I don't know who this dude was, but we get up there and talk to him. He's like, yeah, there's a local uh, kayak tournament here, like in three weeks I'm pre-fishing for. He's like, it's only $35 to enter and it's, it's just fun. I'm like, Dang, I'm going to enter a kayak tournament. Screw it. So I enter the kayak tournament. I don't catch a single fish and I get my butt whooped, get rained on. It was brutal. <laughs> But well, I was like, this bull crap. To interrupt you, like 90% of the Queen City tournaments are brutal weather tournaments. Like, you, you they, uh, I say bad luck, but 
people still catch the hell out of the fish, but Queen City has some of the most gnarly weather in their tournaments. Oh, it's cursed. It's tournament <laughs> in and tournament out. It's crazy. It's cursed. There's no getting around it. Yeah. But uh you, you started out of a kayak then. No big boat fishing or anything oh, like that, straight yeah. into a kayak, and that's what you've been in for the last going on what four years? Uh it's my third year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Third year fishing tournaments. And like so I never had practice or experience like actually putting a pattern together on a big lake so that was all new to me even just for that tournament on kiwi was trying to find a pattern of just figure out what goes on on a big lake and how they chase bait it was all new to me but i actually went back the sunday after that tournament and caught three fish that would have wanted or put put me in second and so that kind of mm-hmm. gave me hope that's like i can do this i'm not going to get my butt with every tournament but how did, how did you part. then how did how did you start to learn how to break down water and fish? Were you fishing with other people? Did you just dive into YouTube? How did how did you how did you make that that learning curve so short? It was a lot of YouTube. I mean, like mm-hmm. like any free second, it like I just was ate up with it. Yeah, I'm like I'm competitive in nature and like I want to be the best. And so it was like every second I got, it was trying to learn, figure out all the little details and aspects, how a fish behaves, all of this stuff. And it wasn't until I think it was that June. Yeah, it was that June that I met Jonathan Yoder uh, in a tournament. And then I started hanging out with him for a little while. And he kind of taught me a, a fair bit about fishing some muddy stuff and, and some other, like how you think right about bass fishing. And he helped a lot with that. So what I'm assuming at this point you graduated into a, a little bit better kayak than the Ascend. So I'm actually happy you mentioned that. Yeah, so I fished that Ascend for I think all throughout the summer, and then in the it wasn't it would have been the winter. So like November, Jonathan Yoder actually had an extra kayak, like a Pescador Pilot, that he let me borrow from. All, all throughout the winter and into May, I think it was, he let me borrow it free of charge until I could buy another kayak. And that's a whole other story. Uh, Jesse Martinez, he let me buy an old town off of him, his old kayak, and he let me make payments on it throughout the summer. And so now I'm in an old town. Nice. Yeah. Did did, uh, did that really help you increase your, your fishing ability, getting into something like the old town versus that ascend? The old town let me fish much worse conditions. <laughs> like I could, I could, I could actually sit and take a take a wake boat wake like mm-hmm. on the open water. So it gave me more confidence in fishing some different stuff I wouldn't have been able to in that in that pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you step up, when you step up into the native, the old towns, the Hobies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, new canoes, any of those. That's that's the biggest difference. One, you you get a canoe that tracks better if you're still paddling. But when you get those pedals and you got your hands free and you can get out there and you can get offshore and fish those points and not have to worry about tipping over or falling over and losing all your shit, you know, that really does change your confidence in being able to go out there and fish some of that stuff, especially in a place like Hartwell, where later in the year you're you're fishing offshore a lot more. Yeah, that's a lot of it, yeah. You bring your hands up, you, know, you can cover so much more water, you can make twice the amount of cast you make pedaling. It's it's a game changer, and I like I was worried that Jonathan was going to want his kayak back, and I have to go back to that ascend kayak. Didn't have anything else to fish out of. 
<laughs> he went, you then got spoiled and didn't want to go back to it. Huh? Well, once once you start pedaling, you can't go back to pedaling. You can't. Oh, no, no, <laughs> you can't. You no. get spoiled. Do you? How about your graphs? Do you run any graphs, or are you mainly a shallow shallow fishing angler? What do you do with that? So at that point, I had like a Garmin Striker is mm -hmm. what I had, and I mean I had side scan, never used it. But I threw, I actually fished deep a lot. So even like um, back, like that June tournament that I met Jonathan, I was fishing out deep with a little Lawrence hook too that all I had was down scan and, and like a, a little map mm -hmm. of the graph. I was still fishing deep and did did well. Um, fishing deep is something I've always liked to do. I For some reason, I couldn't beat the bank. And it's something that I kind of beat into myself this year is that there's big fish up shallow and you have to take advantage of it. You can't just stay out deep. And I think that's something that also messed me up. So like my first two years fishing, so it would have been last year and the year prior, I only fished deep. Like I always fish points, kind of like Rocky Bluff stuff. Like I didn't like beating docks or anything. Like I hated fishing docks. And uh, this year I've kind of incorporated it more. But those last two years, I didn't ever cash a check in a tournament until like June, I think. And I never cut a check uh, in the spring or early summer. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes sense trying to fish offshore, fish deep offshore, whichever one you want to call it. That yeah. time of year uh, can be a little bit of a struggle since, you know, majority of those fish are up. Were you, your fish you were targeting at Hartwell, were you shallow or deep on those fish? Well, see, I wanted to make the deep thing work really bad. So, like, I wanted to fish brush piles and catch some big spots and then move up shallow, catch my one big one and call it good. Mm. And they weren't cooperating at all. The herring fish were all messed up. They would swipe at stuff, but they wouldn't actually eat it. They wouldn't get hooked up. And a lot of the big ones have moved off. So, and even the brush piles, they're acting kind of funny. Um, so I think I had like two fish. It was like halfway through the day. I was like, screw it. I got to go shallow. And that big one was gone. And I got lucky again, found another bed, one flash. I mean, they were deep. Like I was cruising the bank kind of right where, the uh the water visibility drops off and you can't see the bottom anymore mm -hmm. i was cruising right right where you can't see the bottom anymore and they flashed to my right where i can't where they're where i can't even see the bottom i was like good grief all these fish are so deep but i moved back and sure enough there's two fish locked on the bed it's like if i if they hadn't flashed then it would have been a different different story but so you call it sounds like you called what how did you catch them? You catch bedding fish or your four winning fish, were they bedding? Were they offshore? How, were they just so, cruised in the shallows? Yeah, so the let's see. I one spot my limit, the smallest one was a 17 and a quarter, and that one came off um a point. Uh it was kind of schooling up. And then I had an 18 and a half and a 19. Those were that was a pair that came off bed. I was super lucky, caught them both. And then my last cold came up shallow beating the bank. Would you end up with 73 and a half, I think? 73 and a quarter. 73 and a quarter. And a quarter, yeah. yeah and you just you just inched out uh, Olau. He had 73. He was a oh. quarter behind you. Just inched him out. Quarter inch, dude. Those, I mean, <laughs> you don't squeeze that fish just right. You, you tie up a tournament, and he would have won tie break. Like, uh -huh. it's crazy to even think about. I mean, so the, the stars just align. I mean, that's you hear people talk about winning tournaments and things just go right. The stars align, things happen right. 
but it doesn't have to be like that the whole time. Do you have anything like crazy or anything, any wild story that happened during the tournament that almost, you know, sank you? Dude, it, honestly, the big fish not being there, like, I, my heart sunk, dude. Like, because everything I had, like, I knew if I was going to cut the check, it was I was going to need that 21-incher. And I got to that bed, and the male was there, and they weren't locked on. That big, big female moved off or was caught, and even the male wasn't acting right. It was all skittish, wouldn't get back on the bed. I'm pretty sure someone caught it, but, dude, my heart sank. I was like, there goes everything I had. And I'm still sitting with two fish. I was like, oh, my word. Like, this can't be happening. And then I find that other bed. And, I mean, I catch them both within 10 minutes whenever I go back to that bed. And it's like, it's like I mean, you said it earlier, like when the stars align, when it's your time to win, dude, it's your time to win. Like, it just, it happens. What time of day was it when you caught those two big fish? And was was it early? Was it late? And how did that, did you feel like you had, you had a shot or you had it wrapped up when you caught those two big fish? Were you checking oh. the, the leaderboard? Yeah, oh, I was checking the leaderboard. I can't I can't keep my eyes off it. So I caught those two. I think it was around 1, no, 12.30, I think is when I caught those two. And so that put me at 71 and a quarter, and Lowell had 23 at that time. Um, and I was like, I don't think I'm catching Lowell. Like, I was convinced I'm not calling up with another 18-plus inch here. I was like, well, maybe I'll settle for second place, and that'll be good enough. <laughs> and uh, then I got passed again. I, who was it? Um Oh, I can't remember his name. The guy who plays third, he had 72 inches, but he had passed me uh, later in the day, too. I was like, well, dang, now I'm on third. Now I really got to call up. And uh, I was like, if I'm going to get another 18-plus inch fish, I'm not going to be catching on brush pile. It's going to be up shallow cruising or something. So I go up shallow and beat the bank. I mean, within five minutes of beating the bank, I had hooked into the 18-5, and I was like, I lost it, dude. Like, mm. I couldn't believe I actually hooked into it. And this was with, like, an hour left in the tournament. And uh, I hooked that one, had a quarter-inch lead, and I was like, that's not going to hold. Yeah. And so I was stressing the whole time trying to catch one more to call out my 17-and-a-quarter-inch spot. Cause, and, dude, they were in there. I had had a 19-incher eat my eat my bait, and I went to set the hook, and he didn't, he didn't hook up. And I saw him go down on it. It was like – Now, I know since it's Hartwell and you've got the, the – you know, the regional side there. Y'all got some tournaments coming, so you didn't really want to talk about what you're catching. When you went up shallow, were you fishing slow or fast? How, how were you targeting those shallow fish, when, especially when you caught that, caught that 18? Yeah, it's more reaction. Yeah. So fishing kind of kind of at the surface, like top water almost. Yeah. And it's like just covering water. I mean, because, like, you'll run in. So, I mean, they'll be cruising the bank and – you'll run into wolf pack or they'll just be one up shallow. And those large mouths are funny. Like sometimes they'll be on the dock, but a lot of them will just cruise the bank up shallow and they're fish that don't get beat on as much. Cause there's not actual structure there to fish. So like these, the flats in the back of the pocket and stuff, mm-hmm. I don't think get beat quite as hard as a lot of the docks and stuff. And you were targeting large mouth at this point, you weren't trying to catch any yeah. spots. You were going for those big larges. Mm-hmm. I was going for one more big call. Mm-hmm. And you got it. I did get it. Yeah. There's post-spawn fish in the back of the pockets and stuff. So that was. 
Lord, I got dogs barking outside like something crazy going on. At in at did when you caught that were did did you feel like you'd won it? What was your feeling like when you caught it? Because you knew you had to cool up. You caught the fish to cool up. So you at least knew at this point you were you were somewhere in the top three or four. Did you at that did you just say, I won this, right? Did you get that fish on the board and say, I won it? This is my shit right now. I'm I'm I've got this. At this point, I was thinking I might have a chance if Lowell don't catch no more fish. <laughs> and then even then I was like, Lowell needs one more fish. And I know he's on them. And then the other something else crossed my mind. I was like, there could be guys up in the river just mm. wearing mm-hmm. them out. And it's like they won't have cell service and they'll come up with some 80-inch limit that <laughs> wipe us both out. Mm-hmm. So that was also going in the back of my mind. And it was funny at uh at weigh-in, Benny mentions oh he mentioned in the last hour. He had more fish submitted in the last hour from, I think it was from one to two, than he's ever had submitted in an hour in a tournament. Wow. And he said that, and my heart sank, dude. I was like, well, there goes that. I'm done. I was like, someone someone caught a big one. So, something happened. And it didn't happen. Yeah, you do what you need to do to win. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I, I was the weather at this tournament. What it was pretty decent weather. Y'all didn't have anything crazy. No hundred mile per hour winds. No tornadoes. No, nothing crazy. You didn't have to deal with any of that all day, did you? No, it was actually like for me. It's what I would love. Like it, it's what I love for a for some of those clear lakes. Is it was real overcast. It rained a little bit in the morning, just drizzled, and then it was pretty overcast almost the whole day. So it kind of made some of those fish feel a little more comfortable coming up shallow mm. and just made them cruise a little bit more, I think. It really helped. And I did mention, I know this was mentioned at weigh-in, but I had actually switched ramps halfway through the day, or not halfway, but in the morning. I started at one ramp um, trying to get on some herring spawn fish. And, dude, I picked up so quick. They were not they were not busting. They weren't eating right. Like, I caught a 14-inch your first thing in the morning, and – I think I lost three. They were just wiping out it. They wouldn't come up and hit top water like they would usually. I was like, I got to move. I was like, this isn't going to be it. So I'm moving switch ramps, and I'm pedaling my way to um, where I had that big fish on bed. And I pass over a point, and there's a black and green Hobie PA-14, the one Lowell's got. I was like, that ain't Lowell, is it? <laughs> so I kind of go over and say, Lowell, is that you? He's like, Yeah. Bennett? I was like, yeah, it's Bennett. He's like, well, oh boy. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to pass you here in a second. He's like, yeah, all right, sure. And I was like, so I put on my way, and I only had two fish at this time. I had a 14 and a 17 and a quarter. And Lowell had 70-something inches. And I was mm. like, I've got that one big fish. I'm going to pass him. <laughs> and then well, hey, at least at that point, you knew you were in the right area. Yeah, I was like, if, if he's here, there's fish over here somewhere. So even if that fish is gone, there's going to be a winning fish in, in this area. So. What made you want to switch ramps in the morning instead of saying, all right, the fish are here. They're just not hitting it yet. They're not quite as big as what you were expecting. But you still had that gut instinct to say, let me load my shit up and go to this other ramp. What what made you do that? What made you not wait to see if those fish were going to turn on or if some bigger fish were going to come up? 
Dude, that's a really tough question. It's one of those things that you don't ever know what to do until like you're in the situation. But it was like there's a little island over there, and there's one big point that comes off real shallow. And I fished – like I've, I've got history there. I fished it before, and uh, I can usually catch a 19-inch spot off that point, and they'll come up schooling real shallow on it, and at least they'll bust. And I got up there. I waited for 15 minutes for lines in. Nothing ever came up busting. Uh, I threw up there, and there was like a few little fish would come up busting shallow, but it's nothing like I can't have a limit of 14 or 16 and cut a check in this tournament. So I kind of beat around the beat around the island to catch a 14 inch here, and then I miss three more fish on that island that were that weren't big. They weren't the 19, 18 inch spots I needed. They were 15, 16, 16 and a half inch kind of class fish. It's like I lost them. I was like, if I switch ramps, I can run some other points and other brush piles that might still be working in the morning and still capture that morning bite with it still being real overcast, kind of drizzling rain. So the thought was if I switch ramps, maybe some of those other points at the other ramp would maybe fish a little better. But it's also a hard thing to like if I mean the thought crossed my mind if I stay on this point and fish a different bait, maybe it'll commit better, or maybe there's bigger fish that just aren't pushed up yet. And it's one of those things that's like you need to have a gut feeling, just go with it. It's really easy to just stick with it just because you know there are fish there. And that second ramp is the one that had the big bed fish on it, though. So you knew that there were some fish over. You knew that there were some fish that could help you win in that other position, too. So it's not like you just got up and blindly went to another ramp. You had, yeah. Your scouting, that, that practice had set you up to know, hey, I, I go to this other place. They weren't there. There were two others. But the ones that you knew that there were some fish there prior. Yeah, I knew I had to move a little bit easier. Yeah, so I knew I had to be at that ramp eventually sometime in the day. I needed about an hour or so to catch that fish. Hmm. But I also, those fish will also stay on that, like the first ramp, the first point I was on, I know that those fish will stay on there all the way up to midday. Hmm. But it's one of those things, I mean, you they aren't the right class of fish. And, you know, there might be better class fish at the other ramp. I got to go to it anyway. So, yeah. How long a move was it from getting back to the first ramp, loading up, getting to the second ramp, and getting back in the water? How how big of a time frame was that? So going straight from the point to the ramp was about 15 minutes plus. It took me about 10 minutes to get the kayak on the truck after I got to the ramp. Uh, it probably took up about 45 minutes just to move. You think about it, that's not a lot of time, but when – when you're not on the water actually fishing 45 minutes or an hour you're oh, like, like Man, yeah it does and you're like damn i'm i'm about to lose a whole hour of fishing yeah. making this move and you, it takes some balls to be able to pull that up and go do it around midday i mean you know that's that's not an easy decision to make and you made the right one mm -hmm. yeah i've i've made i'm trying to think i've ever even moved during a tournament before I don't think I have. I've always really just stuck with the same ramp. Mm -hmm. But I knew that if I was going to get on bigger class of fish, it was going to have to be at that ramp if it wasn't working in the morning over at that one spot. But I've practiced moving, like, and, uh, like, when practicing for tournaments, going from one ramp to another. Like, I've practiced seeing, like, what all I can get away with leaving on the kayak and what all needs mm -hmm. to go on the truck. And maybe you lose a few bags of soft plastics figuring it out. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that I <laughs> – 
it's something that I've practiced before and kind of got comfortable with it before I ever actually tried it in a tournament. Yeah, getting that load up and, and unloading down to where you know your time frames on that and exactly how you said, what can I leave on? What can I take off? Mm-hmm. That that does make it easier to make those moves when you can dial that time frame in and know how much time that you have. And that's smart. You know, you're 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 over to operating from a mindset of, you know, somebody's been fishing 20 and 30 years with, with that. And you've picked up on that stuff really, really quick. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I I really try and yeah. I try not to think about like watching other YouTube videos really messes with me at this point. It's like I can watch people throw a wacky rig or something on docks or like fish docks, and it, it messes with me more than it does help me. Um, because I can get so locked in onto like, oh, they're biting a wacky rig up under the walkways of the docks. Like so and so caught a seven pounder there the other week. And then you get so locked into what you think is working that you don't realize like a big front just moved in. Those fish are going to be behaving different. Or like, I, you kind of know what I mean, but it's like I'd rather go out there with no idea of what's going on and just think about like front just moved in and stuff like that and go in there and look around to figure out what's going on. Um, but YouTube helped me a lot to begin with. Uh, there's one... Todd Castledine, he's one who, who talks a lot about the mentality of tournament fishing and how you make decisions. He's ones that, that I've watched who's, uh, who's really helped me kind of think right about it, I guess. That, that, that's a good point. I've, I felt that way when I finally got back into fishing and watching a lot of YouTube. And you'll, you hear other people say that where they, they start to tell off on the YouTube videos once they feel – once they know what their style of fishing is, where they like to catch fish, you know, how to break down water, you, you start to taper back on that because you don't want those preconceived notions, but also because you know how you want to fish and how you can catch fish. And so you, you don't necessarily need all that information that you're gathering from the YouTube videos. So probably what you're doing is you're dialing it down and watching specific people doing the stuff that you're wanting to learn or that you're that you already do and you want to get better at mm-hmm. yeah like fish them like I, w- I would watch fish the moment uh early on like the first year i kind of started fishing and i was trying to figure out rough patterns and how fish behaved and now i can i mean and live scopes helped a lot just i know like i know people don't want to hear about live scope because oh it's cheating you can see the fish that's not don't, fair don't mind them damn people i want to hear all about the live scope I mean, with, money the hell with it. Yeah, but with with live scope, it's like I'd rather just spend the time on the water and figure out what's actually going on. I mean, you can see whether the baits moved off. Like on Hartwell, uh, the herring were up shallow during the the South event, and mm-hmm. come this event, there were just big clouds of herring pushed way off the points and fifty foot of water, and the bass were following them out deep. So these big fish that had been shallow were way deeper following bait, and so it's like even though it's it's may and you know last year this on this exact day these fish were chasing bait it's like you look at the actual conditions and you can see that the bait's pushed off and it's like well fishing the points is going to be almost useless trying to catch these big spots because all the baits pushed off or at least in this area they were pushed off and so seeing that you know baits pushed off then my deep fish aren't going to act right and these these points on fish aren't 
the fish on points aren't going to act right. And so it's like you got to scrap that and be willing to adapt and change and go go try and find those those fish up shallow. Being, being a younger guy coming from the, the computer and video game era that you came from and screens and all that stuff and, you know, being able to operate a iPad at the age of two, did you pick up on the live scope pretty quickly compared to like other people that you know are fishing with it and folks that you talk to have you picked up on it quicker than i would say the average angler has that you fish around and fish with in queen city i've been told that i have uh but it's one of those things where you don't ever actually get it figured out you're just constantly learning it's like i don't think you can ever truly understand like know everything there is about a bass and know how they'll behave <laughs> It's like I picked it up fairly quick, and um, I got it last – the first week of December is when I got it. So I haven't had it that long. Um, but what I have figured out is when to put it away and when to use it. I think that's the biggest thing with it is knowing when it's going to help you and when it's going to hurt you, like knowing your strengths. And I think a lot of people get it, and I think it's going to start cashing checks for them and – it's that's not how it works it's like you got to put the work and you still have to know where the fish are going to be and how how to fool them and um yeah you can't catch fish where fish ain't no so you can't. live scope ain't worth a damn if there ain't no fish around you mm -hmm. you've been you've been tearing it up here on the on your local trails have you fished any national tournaments do you have any plans to fish any national tournaments i know you fished the bass there that was on hartwell what what does what does your national these bigger trails look like for you coming up? You know, I really want to actually chase some national tournaments and not so like I fished like KBF came to Murray and I fished it too and um, I did okay didn't kind of check I think I placed sixteenth um, hmm. and I really want to chase some national tournaments especially after the year I've had I've learned like every year I fish it I learn exponentially more um, and I want to chase tournaments like some of the ones like Hobies and stuff like that. But it's difficult when you have college and work and stuff. It's like, I don't have the time to be able to chase them and, and to spend the money to travel and everything. So yep. that throws a wrinkle in it. What college do you go to? Um, I go to Tri-County and then I'm going to bridge to Clemson next, next fall. I gotcha. Nice. You'll be, yeah. you'll be able to go fish Hartwell every day. <laughs> Almost do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, go ahead. Uh, I only live 30 minutes from Hartwell, so it's it's my home lake. And then Kiwi is a close second. And I used to hate Kiwi, too, until I got live scope. And then I found out mm. that Kiwi fish love live scope. <laughs> so I was like, it's, it's one of those lakes that, like, once you get live scope, it's like that's it, – it's become my favorite lake. They don't get beat on as much, and the mm -hmm. clear water spots just cooperate. But, you had a great tournament. You won it. You won some money. What does you, I think we talked about earlier, you said you were 16th in the main Queen City AOI right now or 22nd, which where'd you 23, say? 22nd, somewhere okay. in there. That doesn't, you're not out of the running of, of making a run to the, the top of those AOI points, but if you keep on keeping on, you're at least going to be in that end of the year AOI tournament. And I think that's one of the biggest goals that Pink Queen City folks want to do is get into the AOI tournament. Yeah, getting into the TOC, right? Yep, the TOC. But, you know, I can't – all those damn acronyms, I can't get well, them all together. But, <laughs> well, winning Hartwell, uh, the main trail got me qualified. 
Right. For the TOC. So I'm already in for that. And I think I had a 12th place. I've only fished three out of four tournaments for the main trail mm. so far. And I'm in the cut. So I've only I've got a 12th place on Norman. I've got a first place on Hartwell. And I have a bomb on Santee. And I'm still somehow in the cut with three tournaments. So yeah, you put a couple more together and you're going to be up there sniffing on the front of those top guys. No, I absolutely can make a run for it. And that's and right now, since I've already qualified for the TOC, I may as well try and make a run for AOI. I mean, I can do big, it. Big fish tournament every tournament, huh? <laughs> that's right. You're yeah. Going for the bigs every tournament. I'm swing for the fences. Look, so. we're about we're about to wrap this up. What one of the questions I like to ask is what is what is what is the biggest thing that you learned in this tournament that you can take forward with you in in the upcoming tournaments? I think it's interesting, like your gut. I think that if it was like, it would have been really easy to just say, I can fish this ramp for another two hours and I don't have to move ramps. And I had a gut feeling that these fish weren't going to turn on. I think trusting like your gut instinct of what you should do and actually following through with it. Um, like I've had tournaments where I knew I should probably change and I didn't change and it cost me a bunch of money. And I think I'm learning more and more how to actually follow your gut. And that's definitely a big, a big player. The more time on the water you spend and the more in tune you get with the fish, that, that gut feeling is a lot stronger. You trust it more. And it yeah. sounds like you're, you're building, you're building a hell of a, a hell of a gut to start to trust. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Anybody you want to shout out any sponsors, your social media, anything like that? No, I don't have any sponsors, but I do have a YouTube. It's just my name, Bennett Nall. I try and keep up. With, I try and post my tournaments, and I haven't posted in a second just because of college. I finally put a – I did post a video of this tournament um, on that YouTube. Um, I'm not sponsored. I'm just here paying for it, working my way through, uh, trying to pay for it myself. Um, you, you keep on. You're gonna have you're gonna have some people giving you some some lures and some money at, in some here in, in the near future. I'm guessing. You're guessing. Well, I sure hope so. It helped <laughs> a lot. But yeah, I think just my YouTube and uh, I mean, there's a bunch of people in trail who really helped support me, uh, cheer me on, kind of help mentor me a little bit, if you will. Like Jonathan Yoder, he's been a huge help. Uh, Frankie Wolf, Chad, a bunch of people who were just really supportive of the whole thing. We hear that a lot in Queen City. It's, a, it, it, it's, I haven't fished, you know, when y'all come over here to the Raleigh Lakes, a couple times I fished those. Doing these Queen City Chronicles, that's one of the things we hear from almost everybody is all the help that folks in that club are willing to give. Mm -hmm. And it's evident when you have folks that are newer into the fishing game that are doing what you're doing and some of the other folks that have struggled to not even catch to catch a limit to now that are kept in, catching limits and improving and that's that's a testament to the folks that you know that fish with you in that club yeah almost everyone wants to see you succeed it's like mm -hmm. there's no one out there who's just selfishly in it for themselves for the most part everyone's willing to help everyone and is truly happy whenever you win or you you do well in a tournament they're all it's just a huge supportive family almost so it's a great group of guys well, good deal, man. Hey, I appreciate you coming on and review recapping the tournament with us. It was it was a great win for you. 
I'm glad for you. I'm going to be pulling for you the rest of the year now. If you let me down, we're going to talk shit about you on the podcast. That's how it goes. When you come on here for winning and doing good and you just let us down on a tournament, we're going to let you know about it. It happens. You know, take it with a grain of salt because neither Alex nor I can fish worth a damn anyway. So, you know, you just just roll with it. But thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. This was a good time. We hope to have you on again. I, I foresee it happening. I foresee it happening. Just just, just maybe. I, I might win another one for you. Just maybe. <laughs> well, look, but. if you win it for me now, you got to give me a quarter of them earnings. You got to throw <laughs> a little bit of jingle my way. Just a little bit? Oh. Yeah. Just a, let me buy Let me Give me a pack of biz bait. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on here, man. It was it was a treat. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Anytime. Don't go anywhere. Hang out in the green room. Look, y'all, this is Queen City Chronicles on Bass and Brews podcast. This is the, the fourth tournament. A bunch more coming up. We're going to continue to bring the the most exciting recap of Queen City. Anybody's going to bring it here on Bass and Brews. Thank y'all for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, oh.